We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Oh, wow. You're actually wearing your hair down tonight. Yeah, because I finally decided that I love my hair. I figured out the solution for my morning frizz, midday poof, and even next day bedhead. It's Frizz E Secret Weapon Touch-Up Cream by John Frieda. Well, you and your hair look flawless. Flawless and touchable. Feel. See? It's soft. Smooth ends, no flyaways, shiny. Well, I clearly need to get some because your hair looks amazing. Frizz E Secret Weapon, only from John Frieda. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a tech-savvy royal family. Yes, yes, ever since the palace became Wi-Fi enabled, it's become so easy to use the Name Your Price tool on Progressive.com. I do agree, my queen. Simply telling it what we want to spend and seeing all our policy options, I'll send a screenshot to Duke. The Duke of Kent. No, my friend Duke. We're in a group chat together. LOL. It's easy to find insurance that fits your budget with the Name Your Price tool at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, Mike, how do you not rank Charlie Austin? Because he stinks. Wow. This is the Road Wire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. Your host, Andrew Rare, Mike Dawson.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. It's the last week of the regular season, or of the season, because there is no postseason here. I am Mike Gottlieb. Along with me, as always, is Andrew Laird. And with us as a special guest, Mr. Chris Mozinski, the third member of the Rankings Committee of Rotowire.com. Welcome, all, th- all, both of you and all three of us. Uh, how's everyone doing? <laughs> It's the last week. Are you guys excited to go on to the summer transfer window and all the shenanigans there and lie? I guess. <laughs> sure. Don't mind Andrew and his overwhelming enthusiasm. He is still bumming about the Knicks getting the fourth pick in the NBA draft. He is, as the Knicks are, extraordinarily disappointing all the time. <laughs> all right. So let's, So before we get into the games this week, I do want to talk a little bit of game week 38 strategy because it's a very different game week all the games start at the same time no team well there's only really three teams that have a ton to play for that would be uh, Newcastle Hull and Sunderland trying to avoid relegation no knowing that they don't know those three teams what they need to do to either win draw or or you know they don't want to lose obviously but to win or to draw does that affect how you choose your team for, let's say, you know, daily or weekly? Chris, we'll st- I'll start with you because it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. Do you, do you pick more players from those three teams because they have to care more, fewer because they have to care more and they may just snap under the pressure? Uh, or you just ignore it altogether and just pick the best players you've done all season? A little bit of both. I think you have to start by looking at who has what motivation to do what. If you look at Sunderland, right? Sunderland's safe with a 0-0 draw. It's probably their safest way out. So you, you have to wonder what their motivation is going to be as, as far as what they're going to do to game plan, where whole city you know is going to be coming out guns ablaze and trying to score as many goals as they can and get a win against Chelsea. Or I'm sorry, against um, Manchester United. So it, it affects it, but I still think you have to go best player available because these guys still are going out there and you got to count on those guys to score the goals. Yeah, and I'm sure Andrew is going to bring up the point that they're in this position for a reason, likely because they can't score goals. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. I think we should also note that we're taping this Tuesday, so if anybody's listening on Wednesday evening or Thursday, we Sunderland could already be safe. They just need a point on Wednesday from Arsenal to stay up. But, but yeah, you need to you need to score goals to to make it, and that's why they're just like you said. That's why they're here on the bottom. Yeah, uh, but to make the plot more interesting, let's just assume that they get zero points for the remainder of this podcast, as we don't know yet. And that's also, in my mind, that's the most likely outcome, that uh, Arsenal wins, because let's face it, they're better than Sunderland, right? Yeah, there's a reason they're third and Sunderland's fourth from the bottom. (laughs) Yep, that's right. All right, so let's get to the game weeks. Like I said, everyone plays on Sunday. Everyone starts at 10 a.m. Eastern time. It's going to be a lot of fun if you don't root for Hull, for Sunderland, or for Newcastle. Everyone else just gets to watch and see the fans in the in the turmoil and see the ups and downs that is the final day of the Premier League season. Uh, we'll get to those games last, though, the, the three games that involved Hull, Sunderland, and Newcastle. But let's start with uh, Manchester City and Southampton. This seems like a... It seems like Manchester City should always win this matchup, but for some reason, Southampton play them very, very well. And I see that Joe Hart has been ranked pretty highly by uh, Chris. So, Chris, what's your what's your take on this game? You think Man City finally, you know, shut them out? Yeah, I I prefer Man City or Manchester City defense at home much more than on the road. They're at home this week, and I just haven't seen much out of Southampton outside of maybe a Graziano Pele goal here or there lately. I mean, they they've struggled on the attack. 
I think this is an opportunity for Manchester City to uh, to get another clean sheet. Um, and I, I think that they really just want to end the season on a high note with that. And uh, Andrew, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're not counting the Aston Villa demolishing by Southampton last week, 6-1. But that withstanding, I mean, do you think that actually Southampton can take that momentum into Manchester City? Or do you feel that that was just... They were playing Aston Villa, and Aston Villa were not starting Brad Guzan, so that made it a little easier still. Well, Guzan got benched. It's not like he... I, 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 I think, that, I think I, that's the one thing that, that Tim Sherwood has done I don't agree with. Yeah. I mean, Aston Villa needed... You know, they didn't need to get blown out. And, uh, you know, they, they could have... If they had gotten a point, they would have, you know, uh, gotten to safety without needing help from others. So it's not like they went into the match with nothing to play for. So losing 6-1 like that, I, I'm I'm very much swayed by how good Sadio Mane looked on in that three-minute span where he scored three goals. That I'm not sure Man City has anybody that can keep up with him. And so I'm not – I think Southampton might be able to grab a point in this one. All right. And then uh, back to Chris just to button this up on uh, Manchester City side. Um, Sergio Aguero. Is he is he the safest play of the forwards for you this weekend, or is there someone that you like more? No, I got Aguero ranked number one. I think he's the go the go to guy this weekend as far as forwards go. All right, and I believe uh, Andrew is the only one who didn't rank him first. You ranked Christian Benteke, who we'll get to a little bit later here. But uh, I'm going to move on here to Burnley, who are getting relegated, and they're going to be playing against Stoke City. Nope, Liverpool's playing Stoke. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm looking at last week. That would be uh, that would be uh, Stoke City at home against Liverpool. I apologize. Um, on the Liverpool side, Raheem Sterling linked to Bayern Munich that they've already reached personal <laughs> terms. Uh, I, the shenanigans start early, guys. I, I love this stuff. Now, is Sterling first of all Bayern Munich material, and secondly? Where's he? I mean, he he's kind of gone away a little bit, and for fantasy purposes, and with that, Liverpool's offense has kind of sputtered. So at going up, going to Stoke, where I mean, it's just not an easy place to play because of the weather and because Stoke just tend to do better at home defensively. Do you, would you trust a, a Raheem Sterling or a Coutinho uh, for this weekend? Yeah, I I wouldn't. I I don't. I think Liverpool has struggled. I think you're exactly right. I think Sterling's a bit overrated at this point. Um, I mean, if, if you look at who's their leading scorer this year for Liverpool, it's Steven Gerrard. And I, you can't really even trust him too much. So, I kind of agree that I'm not sure what anybody thinks they're getting by signing Sterling other than, you know, the five goals that he has. He, I think he's a good player, but I don't see him getting any playing time at Bayern Munich. I mean, he's if you can't, dominate the Premier League. I'm not sure why you think you can go to the best team in Germany that, you know, consistently makes the semifinals of the Champions League. So that that's a weird one for me. It's, it almost seems like it's his agent trying to get other clubs interested by saying, oh, look, Bayern Munich likes him, so he must be good. But that's, for from that point of view, I think it's, a, it's a, almost absurd. And frankly, I don't think there's much from Liverpool this weekend at Stoke, even in Gerrard's last game. <laughs> And with that in mind, actually, I'll toss this over to Chris. Simon Mignolet going after the Golden Glove. Do you think he gets at least a share of it with a with a clean sheet this weekend? I 
I don't think so. I Stoke City plays much better at home than they do on the road. They've got some guys that can score and Diouf and Walters who who can come out with goals for for what they need to do. So I on the list of guys who are getting a clean sheet, I don't have Mignolet up at the top of that one this week. All right. And uh, one last note on this before we move on. Uh, Andrew, Charlie Adam, your thoughts? Any any hope here against his uh, former team? He's he's had an interesting run here of putting up some monster games, but it, I don't know at what point you say it goes from fluke to being some sort of legitimate offensive output, but I... I still have him in the fluke category, so I'm I'm probably staying away. All right. And we'll go on to now we will officially move on to Burnley FC. They are traveling to Aston Villa. Now Villa have secured their safety. Uh with that in mind, would you feel more comfortable or less comfortable starting Christian Benteke knowing that Aston Villa don't really need to press on here? Uh Andrew, I'll start with you. Because you love Benteke, right? Yeah, I got him ranked first this week. Because, you know, he's. I guess you can make the argument that Aguero is playing just as well, but uh, you know, I think it's one. Those two are the top two, and I like Benteke playing at home against a relegated side than Aguero against you know one of the better, literally a top two or three uh, defense in the Premier League. So, um, if Aston Villa think that they're going to get a monster fee. Uh, Benteke is going to have to keep producing. You know, it's only one game, obviously, but you know he showed that he's worth it. So I, I think that's absolutely a good play. You you play him any other week, home against Burnley. Just happens to be thirty eighth. Yeah, and uh, Chris, I'll move on to the only uh, not basically the only other option that's fantasy relevant for me at least. And that would be Kieran Trippier of Burnley. Do you feel that he's, you know, even though they're getting relegated, he's still putting in crosses, right? He is. I, for me, though, if, if I'm playing defenders, I need a guy that's going to get me a clean sheet. And with Christian Benteke on the other side of the field, I, I just don't see that happening this week. All right. I don't want to spend too much time on that matchup because not many options will be taken except for Benteke, and not many people are going to watch it anyway. So uh, we will go on here to uh, let's get Leicester at home against QPR. If you thought about this about a month ago, you'd be saying that QPR might be the team that's safe. But that's not the case. Leicester are safe. QPR are relegated. Leicester behind Jamie Vardy, behind Mark Albrighton, uh, a little bit of Wes Morgan, Jeffrey Slough at the back, and Casper Schmeichel. Tons of legitimate options here. Would you trust any of them, Chris, against QPR, the Leicester side? The Leicester side? I Absolutely. I I'm, This is one of those games, Mike, where I think you look at it and go over under four and a half goals and you're tempted to almost go over. I, I think it's going to be an open game. I, I like the options. I'm still high on Jamie Vardy just because he seems to be one of those guys that can get you the assist or the goal. He's, he's active setting up himself and setting up his teammates. Um, but, yeah, I'd feel comfortable with the Leicester uh, attacking options there. All right. And then on the QPR side, uh, I, I did not rank Charlie Austin. I don't like him. I never have. And I still don't. Andrew, call me crazy. You're crazy. Make the case for the QPR side. Beside, I, I do like Matthew Phillips more than I like Charlie Austin. But make the case for Charlie Austin in this situation. Well, I think they're, you know, obviously a relegated side gets kind of a, you know, you kind of have to question how they're going out. And I'm not sure he's really going to be there next year. But, you know, he's the fourth leading goal scorer in the Premier League. And you don't. But, but he slowed down that, that goal production. He got that in a spurt. I mean, a lot of goal scorers 
you know, scoring spurts like that. So he had two at the beginning of April that were last ones. But, you know, he had an assist last weekend. And I think now that they, I think it may have taken a week or so to figure out how he was going to play up front with, um, with Leroy Fair. But I, I think they showed last week that they are able to do it. And I feel like the two of them plus Matthew Phillips are all solid options against the Leicester side that, you know, have had certainly stormed the Premier League, but they're not exactly sh- exactly shutting people out. So I kind of agree with Chris. I think there are a lot of goals in this one. Yeah, yeah. I I, I love Casper Schmeichel, so I'm a little biased, but I actually think that he's a sneaky play here. I actually don't believe in QPR's offense too much in this matchup. Uh, I think Leicester are just playing too well and QPR are too relegated. And- Keep in mind that, the, that those plays were... Charlie Austin looks like he's slowing down. I mean, the, their last five matches have included matches at home against Chelsea, at Liverpool, and at Manchester City. So it, those aren't exactly the Leicester City defenses. Uh, it, it seems to be a little bit easier this week for him too. All right, we will. We will certainly. We will certainly see. It's it's on record now, and we will just take it to next Sunday, and we'll see what happens. But uh, let's go on to Crystal Palace and Swansea City. Uh, Swansea still getting points. Crystal Palace uh, uh, last week definitely bounced back nicely. Jason Punchin particularly. Uh, Andrew, we've loved Crystal Palace for a long time now. Uh, what's your gauge on them, not only this week, but as you know, a force to be reckoned with next season, even if they stay intact? They just need to figure out how to stay on all the time because they went on that kind of cold spell for a bit, and there's there was no rhyme or reason why they just all of a sudden sort of shut it down. They don't seem like the kind of team that gets, like, tired. It looks like Yannick Balassi could run from England to to Russia if he wanted to, yeah. But, uh, so I'm, I'm not sure what, what happened. I think that's ultimately going to be what how they have to improve next year is they've got to be able to, to maintain and not lose matches like they did to Hull and West Brom. You know, like, that's... That's unacceptable. If if you're trying to make the jump, you you absolutely have to beat the teams that are beneath you, let alone not lose to them. So I think it's just more consistency from them, which obviously will come if if they stay consistent. But you know, Belasi's obviously going to get some talk. You wouldn't be surprised if Punchin was kind of given a few uh, looks. But uh, ultimately, you know, they just signed Zaha, and I don't think anybody's really going to go after him. So I think they certainly have an opportunity to stay intact. Uh, I'd like to see them get better defensively, but. You know, I, th- I think they have the, the front of their attack pretty well handled right now. So I think this one will actually be a pretty good game because, yeah, with Swansea, just, they've been better without uh, Wilfred Bonney, which is kind of uh, they've actually scored They've actually scored more points than Manchester City since, yeah, yeah. since the, uh, the, the transfer. Yeah, which is pretty impressive after he, you know, scored more goals than anybody else in the Premier League last year, calendar year. So Yeah, it's really nice to get a lot of money for a guy who doesn't even play for his new team. Just... You know, d- 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 just something I've noticed with Wilfred Boney. Now, uh, speaking of strikers, Chris, would you rather have Glenn Murray or Bafatimbi Gomi this weekend in this match? I'd definitely rather go with Bafatimbi Gomi this weekend over Glenn Murray. Um, I think the Crystal Palace midfielders kind of take some of the attack away from Glenn Murray, and, and Gomi seems to be one of the key guys at scoring goals for Swansea City this week. He's got two goals in the last two matches since coming back from his injury, so... He's kind of on a nice little run. I like him to keep it going this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I would, I, I would tend to agree with you with that. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll see myself just, uh, uh, just, 
I'm so surprised still that Swansea City are getting so many points. I mean, they had 40, they, they were in the 40s the last two seasons since they've been promoted to the Premier League. And now they're at 53 points or 56 Six. points? Yeah, 56. 56 points after that. Yeah. And are they going to trend even, are they trending more positive, do you think, next year, Andrew? Or do you think that this is kind of, you know, overshooting their bounds? I don't know if it's necessarily overshooting, but I don't think they get any better than this. I, I don't. I don't think they're in the same tier as the next group of you know Liverpool, Spurs, Southampton. I think they kind of separated themselves, even though Swansea theoretically could get within one point of of Southampton with a win and a Southampton loss this weekend. Um, but I think ultimately they don't score enough to get in that top group. Um, you look, they have a negative goal differential, which is pretty impressive for a team that could theoretically be one point out of seventh. So I think they they need a – I don't necessarily think Gomis is the answer for a full season, but, you know, it took him a while to get going. And there was even talk that he wanted out. I don't know if that he's changed his mind now that they're playing well, but I think they just need a little more depth to really compete with the, uh, the other group in that Europa qualifying. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so uh, another surprise that – well, this was from last week in a surprise. West Brom crushing Chelsea 3-0. Uh, can they do it again? Can Tony Pulis do it yet again and uh, get a defensive showing against Arsenal, uh, Chris? Well, I, I think you said it last week, Mike, on, on the podcast where you were saying that West Brom tends to play to their competition. And I think you saw that against Chelsea. I think you might see that again against Arsenal. I, I think on the road, you might see them try and pack it in a little bit defensively to prevent Arsenal from trying to run up the score. Uh, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I ultimately think Arsenal is going to pull it out, but I, I don't know how many attacking options I would trust on either side of the ball this week. Uh, Andrew, actually, that's a perfect segue to Andrew. Uh, I, I actually disagree with that. I think that Arsenal are, are, have a great opportunity here, but uh, I want to hear your opinion first. I'm just not sure what, you know, you never know what West Brom team is going to show up. They're obviously playing well now, but um, and they're playing particularly well against big clubs like, Three of their last four, they've shut out Liverpool, Man U, and Chelsea. And so you would theoretically expect that to either continue against Arsenal or they get blown out. Like, I don't think they only, I think if they allow one, they're going to allow four. Um, but Arsenal haven't really been that great recently. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this one ended scoreless. Yeah, I just think that tactically that this is a game that Arsenal will get the space that they need to create those little one-twos because West Brom are not going to press. They're just going to let them. They're going to let them have the ball, and Arsenal love to have the ball. Yeah, I bet. Well, they love to have the ball. I'm not sure they love to then put the ball in the net. <laughs> oh, you think that they want to pass the ball all the way in? I think, right. I mean, they, they definitely do want to do that. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, whether West Brom lets them. I, I also could definitely see some some real squad rotation for that for that match particularly with this Wednesday Sunderland one they they need one more point um got to get ready for that uh that FA Cup final yep yep exactly so if they if they get their point on on Wednesday against Sunderland i think you know you could definitely see guys like Rosicky and Flamini um you you know Gibbs and maybe even Dubucci comes back like i think you're you're going to start seeing some of those guys and even up front, um, good time to start. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. I, I think uh, you could even see, you know, Welbeck come back, or um, I don't think Oxley Chamberlain's going to make it back. But I think maybe Walcott gets a start. So I'm just not 100 percent convinced. You know, if they 
if they don't need the point anymore to finish third, that you'll see kind of the full A squad of Arsenal, which gotcha. obviously and plays right into West Brom's hands. Let me also spin that, uh, even though we did talk about uh, Villa a little earlier, do you think that they rest anybody in anticipation? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, it's a full week, I believe, right, that they have off, so I don't, I don't think they have any reason to, to wait that long. It's just that Arsenal's playing basically three matches in seven day, in eight days, so that's why they need to, to you know, possibly rest before you get the FA Cup final. Sure, sure. All right, so uh, let's go to the last game before we get to the uh, relegation-bound teams. That would be Everton and Tottenham. You would think that this would be a delicious matchup, but they have nothing to play for. And to be honest, both teams have been rather disappointing this season. So, I mean, Everton are at home. Is there – I mean, it, Harry Kane's kind of slowed down. Romelu Lukaku's been off and on this season. Uh, but I'll actually start, Chris, right there at the strikers. Romelu Lukaku or Harry Kane? Which one are you trusting to, uh, on the, in this matchup? Uh, I'm going to go with Romelu Lukaku this week. I think they're kind of trending opposite directions. Lukaku seems to be on a little bit more of an upswing uh, as the calendar's hit May, where Kane's coming the other way. I mean, Lukaku's got two goals and assists in his last three matches. He's taken a ton of shots. Tottenham's defense, as we've talked about a bunch of times here, is not that good. And especially on the road, I think Lukaku's a pretty safe play this weekend. And, uh, Andrew, in terms of the midfield here, both teams have been kind of the same. You know, their midfield has been rotated unexpectedly and also underperforming consistently. Is there any midfield option here that you would like? Well, we talked about before the podcast how the for our rankings the midfield was a little tough this week, which is which is weird since every team is available. You know, we obviously always have every team available, but um, I was looking at it for uh, daily purposes, and yeah, it's like it's a weird matchup. I, there's nobody from Everton that I even considered looking at. Uh, whether even with Morales or Barkley, those are probably the only two I would legitimately consider. I, I There are plenty of guys that I would pick over them. I ranked Christian Eriksen, but basically regretted it as soon as I did it, um, mostly because I haven't been really a fan of his all season, except the times where I was choosing between him and Nasir Chadley, and I think I got that one wrong every time. So I don't know. It's they're two, just like you guys said, they're they're kind of trending in weird directions. Uh, the game means nothing. I was on, when I did my 120 sports hit last week when Everton played West Ham, I was saying how I didn't think anybody would score in that one because it was just two mid-table clubs that were playing for nothing. And this is basically the same thing. So I i don't know what to make of it, but I'll probably stay away from both sides. Uh, so I accuse you of chasing narrative last week. I think you're chasing lack of narrative. These guys are all still professionals, right? And they all still want to have their high-profile jobs next year, right? Do you think that Harry Kane gets rested so that Real Madrid forgets about him? Chris, I'll let you dignify that with the response. <laughs> I, well, I was going to talk about it. I think Romelu Lukaku just wants to try and prove people. I think people have been hard on him this year after what expectations were to start. I think he's trying to uh, kind of end it out on a high note here. Yeah. So uh, let's, uh, let's get to the relegation-bound teams, the teams that really care about what happens this weekend. Let's start off with Sunderland because they have the highest probability of staying up. In fact, when you listen to this, they might have already stayed up. So uh, Sunderland go on the road to Chelsea. And if they end up needing a point, you know, if Hull wins, if Newcastle wins, which is 
first of all, highly unlikely that they both do. But if they need that point, do you think that they can get it, Andrew? I'm not sure what to make of Chelsea, really. I know I know what I'm getting with Sunderland, but that West Brom match really threw me off because it's one thing to not score against them, but to give up three, I realized they were a man down because of that Fabregas red card, which was one of the stupidest things I've seen somebody do in quite a long time, at least in on a soccer field. So um, I'm, I'm going to say no, because I, I, I still don't think Sunderland is that is good enough to, to break down Chelsea. I think, you know, Terry will get the start and it will be Terry and Cahill probably. I don't think Mourinho is going to play the youngsters right away on a back, you know, at the center back position. So, you know, you'll probably see Loftus cheek again, possibly in Fabregas's spot. And I'm not sure who else he would even really consider throwing in there to start, but I don't know. I, I, you you wanted to before the podcast talk about narrative that you thought it was Jermaine Defoe's day, but I don't. I would rather take Mourinho over Jermaine Defoe. And uh, Chris on the Chelsea side, is there anyone that you would have a hundred percent confidence in, considering that you really don't know what lineup is coming out there? Absolutely not. I, I look at what Chelsea's done since clinching the title, and it seems like they are kind of coasting at this point. I think they basically kind of admitted to that last week. In their, uh, in their post-game press conference. Um, I, I think they have every reason to get some new faces out there. I, it's going to be tough to trust any of those guys this weekend. Yeah, and as a Chelsea fan, I, 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 watched, the, I watched that West Brom game, and I just said to myself, this team's already on vacation. Seth Fabregas forcibly removed himself from this Premier League season. And, and the first two of next. He just gets a longer break, Andrew. <laughs> we were talking earlier today about how great the response was from Mourinho when they asked him why they were so complacent. And I think it, literally the line of the year was just the ask Man City, Arsenal, and Man United why we got, we could win the title so quickly. It was just like the guy just nails it in every press conference. He is a must. If you're especially if you're a member of the press, if you're in a Jose Mourinho press conference, you you are very rarely disappointed. And to be honest, though, he's right. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. They've earned it. They can they can be as complacent as they want when it doesn't count. Now, uh, the game, another game that does count, though, we do have Hull City at home, key being here at home, against Manchester United, who have all but clinched fourth place. They and may have clinched fourth place by the time this is listened to. That's correct. And uh, first, Andrew, uh, Victor Valdez, should you start him in fantasy this weekend? Yeah, I would definitely consider him. Absolutely. Except on a certain site where they don't have him? Correct. Yeah, DraftKings still needs to... I would consider it. The The reason why I say that is I specifically look for him because I wasn't sure what his price would be because, you know, he he's played 20 minutes this season for United. So if it was cheap enough, I would look at it. But uh, Hull City's pretty good at home. They have some decent results there. And Dame and Joy, I think, scores every single one of his goals at home. So... And he's uh, there's nothing in the in the United defense that makes me think that they can definitely stop um, Hull. But uh, at the same time, I think there are probably better value. You know, if I was going to go cheap, there are better values than than Valdez, whatever the price is. Just because I would rather play against Newcastle than against yeah, well, Hull. Well, Phil Jones is such a good defender; he can head a ball that's rolling on the ground. <laughs> so. 
let's not discount Phil Jones just yet now. But uh, on Manchester United, uh, between Van Persie, Falcao, Mata, any of their attacking options, Chris, is there anyone that you particularly trust? I think I've I've probably trusted Van Persie more than anyone this year. I, it's tough with them because they've kind of screwed with their lineup, screwed up with their lineup so much that you don't know what you're going to get week to week and who's going to play where. And it's made it difficult to try and pick people. I think Van Persie seems to be the guy up front. Um, Mata Mata's kind of moved up in in my eyes a little bit lately, but I think Hull's got everything to play for. I could see that opening it up a little bit for Manchester United, making some of like Mata and Van Persie pretty decent plays this week, though. Yeah, and for me, it's really – the only constant that I feel that is in the same spot almost every week is Marouane Fellaini, and that's nothing to brag about, <laughs> you know? But Agree. I think, I think this is what over-engineering looks like in a team. I mean, Manchester United, obviously, their squad is not the same, let's say, as, a, as the level of Chelsea or Manchester City. But you have to think to yourself, if they had a more consistent lineup going out there, you would probably see some better team chemistry, right? You'd certainly think so. I, would... <laughs> uh, it just, uh, I think this is a, too much, uh, a lot of overthinking going on here. But anyway, let's get to the last game of the slate here. Newcastle at home against West Ham. West Ham, who have nothing to play for. Newcastle at home where the fans don't like them, especially not the owner. What kind of game are you expecting to see here, Chris, between the two? Is it going to be Newcastle all guns blazing, or is it going to be Newcastle all the, you know, just like... All Newcastle. Yeah, well, yeah, like a turtle going back into its shell because the fans are getting on them even even if they just don't start brightly, you know? Yeah, that's, that's the scary thing for Newcastle is a draw doesn't secure them anything, especially if you look at the goal differential. So... You've got to imagine that they're going to try and get a win against a West Ham team that probably just doesn't have a whole lot of motivation to be playing this weekend. So I, I kind of like the Newcastle attacking options, to be honest with you, um, at home this weekend in a, in a match that they're going to need to score. Blasphemy. Andrew, what do you say? What do you say to that? Uh, you know, I'm looking at it trying to convince myself why they are should be good. And it's like, well, West Ham have nothing to play for. But Newcastle stinks. And so I, I just have and, such and a... And they've shown a propensity to quit. Right. Um, I I think, I mean, it would be really saying something if they basically laid an egg this week, uh, you know, with everything on the line. I almost feel like they would rather... I, I the What I'm really nervous, not nervous, but what I really don't want to see is to see Newcastle lose and stay up. Like, that would just infuriate me because this team has, for the way that they've quit, and the way they've played this year, they have no right to stay in the Premier League. It's just yeah. awful. So, yeah, I mean, you can look at um, Poppy Cisse is obviously the one that I looked at right away. But, I mean, there's... Do you feel like he's going to start? I I kind of joked around on Twitter last week that, you know, you need a win. Because he was on the bench last week. You need a win, so, of course, you leave your best score on the bench. It's one of those, like, if he can't play 90, I don't... I never understood the reason why you wouldn't start him playing certainly when you need a win to play him as much as you can and then sub him out as opposed to waiting until you know the 60th or 70th minute when you could already be down to nothing you know it's like i never get the goal and then you can try to hold hold the other side but i mean it's staying up is in their hands so you you would expect them to try to put as much effort out as they could but 
They stink. Totally. I, I definitely agree with that last point. They do stink. <laughs> now, uh, as far as relegation being in your hands, is guys. Now, Chris, who do you think gets relegated? Who's the third team relegated here? I think it's whole city. I don't even, I don't think they're going to end up beating Manchester United, which would eliminate them right from the go. Andrew. I agree. I'm going to go Sunderland, not because I really think it's going to happen. In fact, I could be wrong by the time you listen to this. It's just because I picked them in January and I'm the only one who probably still has a chance to getting all three of their relegated teams correct from that time. So I'm sticking to my guns. The what, most what would, unlikely of scenarios. What would be fun is that if, if they didn't win and it did, I mean, they're only two goals away from Hull on goal differential. So Hull, you know, would obviously need to, oh, I guess if they won, then the differential yeah, it goes. Not, yeah. Yeah. So never mind. Yep. Never mind. All right. Let's get to, the, let's get to our final daily dose of this Premier League season. We are on the DraftKings game. That's why we knew that Victor Valdez wasn't there. But uh, I will start with my goalkeeper because I am definitely going against the narrative that you guys have been talking about. My goalkeeper is Adrian from West Ham because I still think that Newcastle stink, particularly offensively, and I think there's a nice, cheap, clean sheet there for Adrian, and he's only four grand on DraftKings, so just a good value. And uh, my defenders are two of the best options you're going to find on DraftKings. It's Kolarov and Trippier. So I saved money at goalkeeper and spent it on defenders. Uh, Andrew, what about your back three there? Well, I also think they stink, so I went with Adrian as well. 4000 uh-huh. 4, was just too much to to look away from, particularly when like uh, Tom Heaton is at 4400 and Guzan is at 47 or Shea given at 5000 I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, I went with Nathaniel Klein, hoping for some crosses against Man City, who I don't think necessarily are going to shut um, Southampton out. And then I tried to save a little bit of money, so I paid 3000 for Jeff Cameron, hoping that Liverpool put up a stinker as well. All right, and Chris, your back three. Uh, I, I, am, I ended up needing to save some money on my back three just because I was so heavy at forward. So I started off with Boaz Myhill in goal just based upon what they've been doing to good teams against, like we said earlier, Liverpool, Manchester United, and Chelsea, hoping for something there. And he was only $3,200. Wow. Uh, I, I did end up going with Alexander Kolarov at 5100 just because I think Manchester City is probably the best clean sheet opportunity. And he does have goals in two straight home games. And then I went with uh, Jorez Okor at 3300 thinking Aston Villa has a good clean sheet chance against Burnley. All solid options. And uh, Chris, we'll stay with you for the forward. Uh, sorry, for your midfielders. Midfielders, like I said, it was a weird week. I think most of the midfield is going to come from uh, cheap scores. So looking at the the bargain people, I went Jason Punch in at 6,300, who I think is the best Crystal Palace midfielder. And I went with Musa Sissoku at 4,200, who's a guy who's been taking a lot of shots for Newcastle. And I think against West Ham, you're going to see them put up a lot of shots. So auxiliary points would be nice there, even if he can score one in for a goal. Yeah, you're putting your money where your mouth is with Newcastle. and uh, Certainly. Yep, and I will go with, I'll sort of my midfield now. I have Yannick Bellassi. I think he's the best Crystal Palace midfielder, uh, averaging over 10 points a game on uh, DraftKings. So uh, he does everything. And uh, Mesut Ozil for Arsenal, uh, I think, at home against West Brom is a perfect opportunity for him to make some passes, get some crosses, maybe score a goal, maybe get an assist. Just everything's in play for Ozil against West Brom for me. And, uh, Andrew, your midfielder is your two. Uh, I went with uh, Ahmed El Mohamedy, thinking that Hull is, can score against Man U, mostly for the crosses, though. He's got 19 in his last 
two games. So um, you probably make value. He's at 6,000. You can make value pretty quickly on that one. And then I spent 100 bucks more for Arsenal's Aaron Ramsey, who I think is, for the, all of the Arsenal midfielders, he's by far the cheapest one who I think can actually score a goal or assist on one. So, so do you feel that he's goal and assist dependent, though? Which I know is like almost everybody. I, I, because, I, because of the crosses on DraftKings, you have to you know, just consider that. as Well, he takes a fair number of shots. So he's taken eight shots in his last two games, and he does throw in a few crosses. So he had three crosses last week. He had five two weeks ago, or three weeks ago. So he's not immune to the cross, and he's, he certainly takes enough shots for me to, to think he's going to score a goal as opposed to Ozil, who keeps just trying to pass to the back of the net. All right, Andrew, and your your front three, your two forwards and a flex. I um, I have a midfielder in my flex mostly because I didn't have enough money for a, another forward. But my so I have a Balassi as my flex. I actually had originally had Punchin in one of my uh, midfield spots, but I didn't want Punchin and Balassi, so I switched out um, Balas or Punchin for El Mahamedy. So. Um, I spent 67 on Belasi, and then I paired them with Aguero and Alexis Sanchez, who I think have some pretty good upside this week. Yeah, that's actually not a bad front, too. Uh, Chris, we'll go with your front, too, now. So I, w- I was able to save a ton of money with the, the other five guys that we had said earlier. So I went with Aguero, at, Aguero, your favorite, Mike, Charlie Austin, Ugh. and then Romelu Lukaku. Hmm. So I share your Romelu Lukaku. He's my flex. And I went Dame and Joy chasing some mm, narrative for that, all yeah. at 73 and then saving even more money with Glenn Murray at 5,500. So I saved money on the forward spot to evenly distribute to the other spots. So Glenn Murray, he's got, I mean, he scored the, he missed the penalty and then scored on the follow up. And I, at least he's taking penalties. I was off the bench too, I believe. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, obviously, if he doesn't start, I'm going to switch him out. But so, Chris, you liked Austin more than RVP, correct? Correct. Okay. Andrew, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just yeah, a, definitely. It's, it's another feather in the Andrew Laird for Charlie Austin for president cap. Love it. Love it. All right. And on that note, we will end this episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast, the last one of the season, but not before all the shenanigans start. I uh, can't wait to get into that with you, Andrew, and potentially Chris, if you want to join in as well. It's going to be a fun time for everyone involved, and we will catch you on the shenanigans pods <laughs> over the summer. Thanks a lot for joining us this season. For all the great content, please go to rotowire.com slash soccer, and we will be updating you with all the latest news that you will need for not only this week, but for the upcoming season for 2015 and 2016. It's been a lot of fun. And for Andrew and for Chris, I'm Mike. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on the shenanigans. For more great content, go to rotowire.com slash soccer. It's all free and it's all for you. They're going to kill the love of my life. If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? 
Of course it's dangerous. Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.